Vanen. Megavanen? Megavanen. What's the rest of it? I, uh, mean mm-hmm. Beth. Ianeth mean Fira. We did it. Oh, no. We my did it. <laughs> <laughs> right as I said that, my computer went black, and I was like, oh, my God, no. Oh, no. It has begun. Uh, welcome to Chronicles of Fiction, guys. Welcome to this. Welcome back. Yes. It is our uh, fan, fan fiction podcast. I don't know why my brain was just like, we don't know what word you're trying to say. <laughs> Same, though. <laughs> it is our fan fiction podcast where we read your uh, Lord of the Rings fan fiction stories. Yes, and we are trash for them. And it's <laughs> bad, but it's great. <laughs> We love it. I have been so excited uh, because I've been listening to Unexpected Podcasts and I'm going yes. through the um, Tom Bombadil chapters. Yes. And it's so weird because um, I was thinking about this too. As they're reading through and they're describing the old forest, I'm actually thinking back to this fan fiction that we're reading because they're talking about the Withy Wendell and right. all of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool that it's, you know, we're reading, I'm going through both of these at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. I was thinking of um, this girl who wrote this. I was thinking about her descriptions of the old forest while I'm listening to them talk about it. So, And it locked uh, up so well together. Like, it did. Such a great job. Or she's doing such a great job. Yeah. Of for real. Pulling from Tolkien. And that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So how has your week been? Um, I don't remember most of it. Oh, I was that this week. I think so. Uh, it snowed like a foot. Oh no! Tuesday. Well, it meant I didn't have to go to work and I didn't have to use vacation time because my boss told me to go to not come to work. Nice. So I was like, guess I'll stay home. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it was great. Um, but Tolkien wise, oh, I posted a new fanfic. Oh. Um, it's just a it's like an eight hundred word one shot and. It's got to do with, of course, it's another Legolas angst. I mean, (laughs) are we surprised? Um, But it's in my one-shot book. um, And it has to do, because, like, basically after the desolation of Smaug, there's, like, ten years where the shadow is lifted before it comes back. Um, So I just kind of wrote a little bit about, like, his thoughts of, like, does he, him trying to, realize that oh the shadow is leaving like things are safer now and like yeah is it and then yep. what he doesn't know is 10 years later it's like false sense of security mm-hmm. oh is there dust in my i think there might be dust in my coffee oh no oh no oh no it's sad uh such is life such as life. How's your Tolkien week been? Or, or pretty much just unexpected podcast? Yeah, that's that's basically <laughs> been it. My week has been very, very stressful. And speaking of, um, I'm sorry if this episode and the next one seem out of sync, guys, because we were recording early because I was supposed to be gone this weekend and Sierra mm-hmm. is going to be gone next weekend. And now my plans changed drastically last minute. And so we are able to record on our normal day this week. Uh, but it, it's just it all got it all got it's all it's just i i don't want to think about it (laughs) i don't it's just if i had been in charge things would have been different but i wasn't in charge so i mean that's typically the case 
<laughs> but Tolkien wise, I was as I was listening to Unexpected Podcast, I came up our I didn't come up with, but I'm having all these realizations about Tom Bombadil because a lot of people have been very upset they were very upset that he wasn't in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And then um as these guys were talking about it, I realized that Tom Bombadil is actually in none of the adaptations. The animated oh. show, there was something else. Like he's not in any of them. Anything. And the original editors, when they were working with Tolkien, they wanted to cut him and Tolkien said, Absolutely not. Yeah. And he fought for, for Bombadil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. And I was like, okay. First of all, why would that be? And as I've learned more about Tom Bombadil um, and um, Goldberry, I think it would be very hard. It would probably be easier now with the technology that we have, but I think definitely like Lord of the Rings and predating that, I think it would have been hard to recreate or even create these characters because they are not just humans. No. And they don't behave in a human form. Like it's like it talks about how um, like as the hobbits are eating at their house, like they're just kind of flitting around everywhere. Yeah. They're like, it's, it's almost like they're there, but not there. It's almost like they're omnipresent. It's almost they like they do have those, very, those mushrooms so, were, were uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the way that they describe um, Goldberry, you know, it says, you know, it describes her from the head down and like it, it says like, you know, it seemed like her feet were standing in a pond and I can understand where that would maybe be hard to put on yeah. a screen and do it justice. Could you do it? Yes, they could have done it. I mean, look what they did, but could they have done it justice to the point where clearly this meant a lot to Tolkien? Right. Um, so that's my theory on why they haven't been put on screen is because I don't think anyone quite knows how to do it. But here's my other theory, okay? Okay. So, uh, one thing that is talked about when the hobbits get there, you know, they give them food, they give them a bath, whatever, and then they send them to bed. Well, there's four beds already made, mm-hmm. and it's almost as if he was expecting them. Right. But how would he know anything about it necessarily? No one told him that they were coming. So, here's what I think the Lord of the Rings Amazon TV show should do um i could absolutely see them trying to do tom bombadil they've got the budget for it Mm -hmm. um but i could also see them maybe hinting at him um and you know how at the end of the hobbit where legolas's dad uh thranduil Mm -hmm. right that's his name um when thranduil tell tells legolas you know go look for um the ranger they call strider that scene makes me mad but that's a different discussion it does. I, I get it. I get that it's not canon, but like it is a good bridge I guess. to Lord of the Rings for people that are just going to be somewhat casual fans or who watch the movies first. Um, it's a good little, it's a good, it's a connection. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be very cool if while we're in the second age and we have characters like Gladriel and Gandalf and all essentially all these characters could be in the show yeah um, it's all uh, exactly and they were all there I think it would be very cool if they either meet Tom Bombadil and we have him or someone tells like Gladriel or someone tells Gandalf someone and says you know go talk to Tom Bombadil tell him at some point he needs to be expectant of four hobbits and that's how we get that little bit of a connection cool 
to uh, the Lord of the Rings. I'm like, that would be so, so cool yeah. if he somehow, you know, was kind of given a heads up. But that's, just, that's my hot take on it. I think that's what they should do. They're probably. I think that would be doable because it would be more of a, hey, this could happen. They wouldn't know it would happen. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly and it would be a way to connect it without it being like without the whole show having to be directly related to lord right. of the rings it could still be its own thing it could be you know morgoth rising and some it could just be us you know lady gladwell looking into the future right. and like i see four hobbits yeah. in the woods it could be something as simple as that like right you know but that was my re- revelation as I was listening to it. I was like, oh my God, this needs to happen. Yes. I think that would be really cool. I what? Who do you think Bombadil is? Like, what's your, um, your take on that? It's kind of hard because we haven't really de- delved, dived, delved. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get smitten? Smoke? Smoking? <laughs> I just go back to Moana anytime. Anytime someone is struggling with what the past tense or whatever is, that's exactly what I go uh, to. You want to get smitten? Smoked? Smoked? Since we haven't read the Silmarillion, I mean, what, what do you, what's your, do you have thoughts? Um, as someone who is not, I'm not a, a believer in deities. Um, I can see where people can definitely correlate him to being like, like the god of Middle Earth, kind of like how the Christians mm-hmm. have their god or whatever. Like, I could definitely see him, see people saying that that's what he is. I do think that um, there is a because Goldberry is the water and the river. I could see him being. I don't want to say Mother Nature because obviously it's a feministic right. type thing, but like definitely some someone of the ground something from nature from the earth itself and that's why they are married and tied to each other because water and land coexist together you can't have one without the other not really so i just think he's i want to say a spirit because that that takes away um that that takes away the i guess realness Mm -hmm. of him um and the humanism of yeah him. because he's a little bit more human than goldberry is right yes yeah. at least that's how they're portrayed because she's very much portrayed right. as like a spirit right and i think that has to do with their attributes of land yeah. and water because water is not a physical like right. it, it is but it's not a mass right. whereas land is um but i i love it they are probably my favorite characters um i think i love it because they're they're so amazing so in-depth there's so much set to them so in tune but yet so not bothered by right the little frivolities of the world not that the one ring is a frivolity it is not (laughs) no but i can see that being a reason and maybe they talked about this in the podcast i don't remember um but that being a reason why it hasn't been an adaptation, because if you you have this character who just shows up and it's like, oh, <laughs> you have a ring, okay, where were we? Right. That kind of like right, right. Because power is the absolute least thing they're concerned right. with, and and that is while while obviously the ring can bring about destruction, like it is because of right. power, and they are at the truest form of being humble that there right. is. But that can be hard to come know. across to get across. Exactly. Whereas you can clearly nail it in a book. 
Right, 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 but. right. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. I'm enjoying these Tom Bombadil <laughs> chapters. I think the next one is when they leave, so about out of it, but I am in it's the middle because they they took. Um, I feel like this is turning into let's just talk about an unexpected podcast podcast. Um, <laughs> but I am on part two of the Council Bell Rom because they had to split it into two podcasts, which fair enough. That chapter is loaded. Um, yeah, but I'm finally to the point where all of my favorite characters are together. Nice. Nice. I'm very, I'm enjoying it very much. Nice. Yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. Probably the favorite part of my day when I go to work and I can stick that podcast in. Yeah. So, so. Well, do you have any um, Elvish for us this week? Again, guys, we, our terms are going to be a little bit out of sync this week and next week because we recorded weirdly. I'm sorry. So, in yeah. the episode, so we've already learned the word for goodbye, but y'all aren't going to hear that until the next episode. So, right, right. But it's fine. Y'all will um, be fine. Yeah. So, I think, sister, you are going to really like this one. Okay. This one's for you. Okay. It is the word for sister. <gasps> yes. <laughs> oh my God. You can't it- call me anything but this word. <laughs> Nathel. Nathel. Okay, yeah, how do you spell it? N E. Okay. T H. E L. Oh, exactly like it's. <laughs> yeah. And so now, okay, I want to clarify. There are several different words for sister. There's several different spellings of it. This was just the most concise one I could find. Yeah. Because the same goes for brother. There are several different words for brother, um, but some of them only mean like brother in arms, not necessarily related. Uh, stuff like that. But we'll get to that word yeah. later. But, but yeah, I thought you I thought you might like this that one. Oh um, that's how I'm gonna start introducing myself. Ian it's mean Nathel. It's yeah. a whole sentence now. It's a whole sentence. Oh my god, I'm so happy. <laughs> and that is that is like that that should absolutely be my Elvish name. I mean, it is. I mean, it absolutely is. <laughs> literal translation. <laughs> I mean, because the rest of us can't. I mean, I don't think there's an Elvish word for Wawa, so I think I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but, Amazing. Yes. I thought you might like that I one. I love that one. Nethel, I love it. I love it. And it's pretty, too. I mean, it is. all Elvish words are pretty. Yes. But it's, I don't know, it just has like a very feminine. Yes um grace yes to it i love it that's great i love it nathel i'm i'm so happy right now <laughs> i so thought you happy. might like it uh i had to come up with something good since we had already done <laughs> i yeah but not actually but not actually psych <laughs> not actually psych um Speaking of being confused, do you know what chapter we're on? Um, I'm pretty sure it is um, uh, Barrows and Falls. Is that chapter four? Uh, one, two, three. Yeah, because we did Three's Company, um, which was ironic because I think it was ironic because that was the chapter I was on in Unexpected Podcast. Ah, nice. But I think, and I think that's why we brought it up because Three's Company is yeah. when um, Gobby's sister, Mary Bell, joins them. 
Right. And so that's basically where we left off. She had met up with them and they were marching around and um, they come up on a crest and they see the withy window and uh, Mary Bell surprises both of them and just charges into the woods ready to go. And Faramir was like, uh, maybe I didn't know this person like I thought I did. <laughs> and of course, Gavi is just not, not, he's not having it. This is not what he <laughs> wanted mm-hmm. to do with his life. But uh, he'll be all right. I do think it's very interesting, too, when I think about it. um, Now I've got to actually remember. As far as, like, with Gobby. um, Okay, so Gobby is... Wait, hold up. Faramir took... So Faramir is Pinpin's son. And Gobby is Mary's son. Now, if I remember correctly, Mary was the one swallowed by Old Man Willow. Pinpin was, like, half-swallowed. Mm. or was it the other way around i thought it was mary that was the one all the way forward, but maybe not i don't remember well but i you just listened to it yeah. so we'll go with that um but that makes me like as opposed to like gobby's and Faramir's different takes on the um forest you know considering gobby lives next to it and pinpin's going to be more reminded of their adventures in that um mm. No, Mary. Sorry. Mary is going to be more reminded of of his adventures there, especially if he was the one to get swallowed by old man. Right. Like that's going to that's going to stay with you. And so I can see him being uh, more warning to Gavi as far as like, look, it's not the adventures elsewhere are different than the adventures in this old forest like this is mm-hmm. not something that you can just go in and all and a lot of times just survive by pure strength and wit like this is there is a reason this was the worst part of the journey or this was the reason that you know i avoid it because of this you know so there is a chance that um our, what i'm wondering is since since our story is paralleling what i'm reading in lord of the rings so much um is is Faramir less frightened because um Pinpin just didn't talk about the old forest as much because it just wasn't on his mind as much because it didn't mm. live there and maybe Gobby is more fearful of it because he does live there and Mary yeah. lives right next to it and he's like yeah don't he's constantly reminded of it. So that was another thought I had I mean that makes sense for sure I'm very happy that right now what I'm reading and this fan fiction are kind of like lining up. It's, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. I love it. So yeah, that's what we'll be reading I, this week. I just looked it up. It was Pippin who was swallowed. Oh, darn it. Okay. And sw- swallowed Pippin entirely. Aha. Was in the process of consuming Mary, Mary when Bill rescued him. Okay. I couldn't remember who, who was who. But still, I could see Mary being like, just don't. The state way. Yeah. Scary well, yeah, I'm in there. Scared the living daylights. And I could see Pippin just flat out not talking about it. Exactly. Maybe his experience was more traumatic. Also, it was Mary's job to get them through the old forest. Right. Like, he was the one who knew it. And maybe he feels, um, you know, like he kind of failed on that a little bit. And that's why he's like, don't yeah. even venture in there. Because even those of us who know it can't get through it. Yeah. You know, even those of us that, uh, yeah, that's... That's kind of what uh, was I was thinking, what was on my mind while I was uh, listening to that. And I just love that they're, they're crossing paths here, that our stories are crossing paths. I so cool. love it. So that's what we're going to continue reading today is Of Tooks and Brandy Bucks by Idril Telecontar. Um, it's going to be chapter four, Barrows and Falls. And then next week, guys, we are going to just slip you a little one shot because um, we needed 
a little bit of a quicker record for that. So um, we're going to take a little bit of a break from this, but then after next week, we'll be right back on it. <clears throat> All right. I guess we'll dive in. All right. Of Tuxie Brandy Books, Chapter 4, Barrows and Falls. As optimistic as Fairmere had been when he had set out that he would soon run across the Withy Windle, he was surprised when after several hours they still had not come across it. It made no sense to him. They had followed a more or less straight line from the hill and should have found it easily. They stopped under the shade of a large oak tree and had a small meal of some of the remaining cheese and bread, but it was clear their food would not last much longer. Mercifully, their water skins were still largely full, and they managed to quench the extreme thirst extensive walking on a sunny day can bring. Mirabella was standing still, eyes turned towards the sky, a frown on her face. We've traveled the right way, she said, voice so low she could be speaking to herself. Why aren't we there yet? Maybe the trees are moving around to confuse us, Gavi said, eyes flitting from side to side. It wouldn't be the first time. We've been walking all day. We should have come to the river, or at least to the edge of the forest, Mirabella said, ignoring her brother. Unless we're going in circles. Fairmere groaned. That would be a disaster. This isn't fair, he said, rubbing his shoulders where his straps were beginning to chafe. The day's half gone already, and we haven't found anything yet. Our families are expecting us home tonight, Gabi said miserably. If we don't find something soon, we'll have to turn around. No, Faramir announced, and got to his feet once again. We're not going home empty-handed. We've still got loads of light left, and we need to stop taking so many breaks and eating so much. Let's go. Mirabella immediately fell into step with him, but Gabi grumbled and muttered to himself as he hoisted his pack back onto his back and scuttered after them. He was suffering the most of the three of them. He was most definitely the roundest of the lot and the one least accustomed to exercise. Gobby was more the sort of hobbit who preferred to sit upon the banks of a river with a fishing rod all day, a nice basket full of tasty treats at his feet. He was not the traveling sort. What do antwines look like? Gobby asked, already out of breath once more. You didn't answer me the other day. Well, they look just like ants, don't they? Fairmere said, brushing aside some undergrowth as he continued on. Only smaller, probably. But what do ants look like, Gobby said. His face was screwed up tight as if trying to remember some long-forgotten fact. I mean, are, are they trees? Are they bigger than trees? They're, well, they, they look like... Faramir trailed off trying to bring to mind what exactly an ant looked like, but coming up short. His father had described them to him many times, but he could not recall it now. Somehow, he had always glossed over little details like this, more interested in his father's accounts of the Battle of the Pelennor Fields or the Battle of the Black Gate. They pretty much look like the sort of tree that they protect, Mirabella said, a smirk on her lips. They can be up to 14 feet tall, and they all look different. Some have 10 toes, some have 20. Some are skinny, some aren't. Some are sort of mossy green, some are silvery. They've got really thick skin, like the bark of a tree. The boy stared at her. How do you know that? Faramir demanded. She smirked again. My father told me the stories, and I listened. And he took me to see the mayor once, and he let me read a bit of the book he's writing. I've read some of Father's writing about it as well. Fairmere shook his head, reading. He much preferred hearing stories told aloud, and didn't have time for sitting around all day with a nose pressed in a book. He didn't like how smug Mirabella looked about it. They said nothing more as they continued their trek beneath the trees. The land seemed to be sloping downwards now, and they began to hope that perhaps this meant they were coming upon the river. But the ground leveled out once more and then rose again. Their frustrations were now increasing, particularly when Faramir noticed through a gap in the leaves that the sun was beginning to set. With a jolt, he remembered the letter he had left on the table in Brandy Hall. We will be home for supper. It looked as though this promise was going to be impossible to keep. 
He tried to push thoughts of his worried parents out of his head, however. He had been out longer than he was supposed to be before now. As long as he was back tomorrow, at some point, his parents wouldn't be too angry, though he did not relish the thought of another several weeks confined in the height of summer. The woods around them grew colder and colder, and just as it seemed the sun was setting, the uh, just as it seemed the sun was setting, the mist began to wind its way around the trees for them, and around their own bodies, so it became difficult to see one another, even from only a few feet away. The mist had the effect of a chilling cold all around them, and the three were soon standing in damp, clammy clothes. Stopping here for the night seemed impossible. Let's keep going, Fairmere called to the others, seeing that the ground was rising once more. Maybe we'll get above the mist. Hold on to me. Gabby stood behind him and grabbed, the, grabbed hold of his cloak, and his sister did the same behind him, and together the three of them stumbled blindly through the mist, as unable to see as if they had been lost in the dark caves of the misty mountains. Fairmere led the way as confidently as he could, but even he had to admit he had no idea where he was going. The mist was like a solid wall of white, branches looming out of it like daggers pointing towards them, disembodied from their trees. He moved steadily on, hoping that the rise he was on would lift them out of this world of white, but nothing happened except the density of trees around them seemed to decrease until he could see no trunks or branches on any side. All that was around him on all sides was white. Looking down, he noticed that instead of walking on the twigs and leaf litter of the forest he had become accustomed to, he now walked on soft, springy grass. What was this? Had they stumbled across a meadow in the forest? Was this where Tom Bombadil lived? He hoped so. He wasn't sure how much longer he could endure this bone-chilling cold. Out of the fog, a dark shape loomed, and the hobbits ran towards it, hoping that it may be some sort of shelter against the fog. But as they approached, they saw it was nothing more than a tall black stone sticking up straight out of the ground, silent and ominous, like a tooth reaching out from the earth below. Let's rest here, Faramir said, and sat down with his back to the stone. We don't know where we are. Let's wait until the fog passes. Gobby threw himself on the ground beside him and seemed ready to fall into a deep sleep despite the cold and the damp. But Mirabella remained standing. Though only two feet away, she was almost lost in the fog. She was hugging herself hard, shivering in the sudden cold, and her expression was weary. I don't like this, she said, her entire body tense. This doesn't seem right. We can't do anything till the fog goes, Mira, Gobby said, already beginning to yawn. Sit and rest a while and stop being such a worry warrior. One of us needs to be, she rounded on the two of them, scowling down at them. Look at the two of you. Aren't you worried? By what, Faramir said, trying to look unconcerned, though he too had felt a horrible creeping sensation descending on them, almost like there were things watching them from the very earth beneath them. Mirabella's face was pale in the darkness and her eyes were wide. There aren't any trees, she said. I don't think we're in the forest anymore. And where else could we be, Gobby asked, opening his eyes with a frown, probably irritated by his sister's attempt to ruin his sleep. Rohan? Mirabella <laughs> turned to face them and looked at the stone they were resting against, her blue eyes running up to it, running it up to its zenith and back down, a growing horror on her face. The Barrow Downs, she whispered. Immediately, Faramir leapt to his feet and jumped away from the stone and looked over it again, his heart pounding. No, surely it was impossible. How could they have come this far? Gobby had gone white and his entire body trembled. But, 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 but that's where the, 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 bar the barrel whites live. Maribella grabbed Faramir's arm, her expression urgent. We need to leave now, she said, before we wake something up. Faramir nodded in agreement, his hostility to Mirabella forgotten. But which way? This way, she said, and all he saw the next moment was her blonde curls bouncing off into the mist. Faramir wasted no time, and soon he and Gobby were following fast on her tail. 
but he knew well that Mirabella was as ignorant of the right way as he was. They tore down the hill, deeper and deeper into the enveloping mist, as though sinking down into a bed of feather pillows, but icy cold instead of welcoming. Take my hand, he heard Mirabelle call, and he saw her pale hand looming out of the mist. Despite the situation, Fairmere couldn't help but balk at holding a girl's hand, but common sense prevailed, and he seized the tight hold of it and extended his other towards Gobby, who grasped it closely in his own sweaty palm. They ran forwards with no clear sense of direction, just desperate to get out of the biting cold. A growl sounded off to his left, and Fairmere's heart almost stopped to see a pair of lantern eyes peering at him through the mist. Dark shapes were huddled behind those eyes coming closer. He could hear the rattling of their breath, the clink of chainmail and the swords, long since rusted in their long sleep underground. Close your eyes, Gobby, he cried, but he needn't have bothered, for Gobby was already running with his eyes tightly clenched shut. Eyes clawed at his heart, and his breathing grew quicker. Barrow whites. He knew well what fate awaited them if they lingered or fell under their spell. His own father had barely escaped with his life. He looked away from... Ooh. He looked away from the Meliferous eyes, but as he did so, his world seemed to slow down, and running seemed to him as though he was wading through a thick marsh. Unbidden, he felt his head being turned back towards those eyes, and in his head and heart, he was aware of whispering voices, their words harsh and guttural, yet dripping with malice. Come to us, they cried. Come with us, young adventurer. Great treasure awaits you. Fairmere shook his head, trying to clear his mind of those dreadful voices, but they grew ever louder, their words even more forceful. Come, come, a prince we shall make you. Glory and honor shall be yours. Again, Fairmere felt his head being turned by a force over which he had no control until his eyes were fixed on the cold, luminous gaze of the white. Its words flowed over him, deadly and hypnotic. He could not blink, could not dare his gaze away from the foul creature. As he looked, it seemed to change into a being of pure light, of warmth and goodness. His resistance was failing. The white's call echoed in his mind. Come, it cried. And Faramir found himself wanting to go, to follow the creature wherever it led. His running slowed, and he placed one foot in the direction of the white. It called, and he was answering. Faramir! Mirabella's frantic cry sounded loud in his ear, and he felt a resounding slap against his cheek. <laughs> That's great. She just up and slapped him. He reeled and blinked fiercely, his cheeks stinging something fierce. Mirabella was in front of him, her eyes wide and desperate. Don't listen to them, you idiot, she, she shouted. Don't look, don't listen, just keep running. He nodded dumbly, and the next moment she had jerked his hand so strongly it was near wrenched from its socket. Goppy's hand was still in his own, but looser than before, and Faramir feared he too was falling under the spell of the whites. Fairmere tightened his grip, digging his fingernails into Gobby's hand to rouse him somewhat. The voices of the whites were still to be heard, and so he started singing as loudly as he could. O oh, wanderers in the shadowed land, despair not, for though dark they stand, all woods there must be end at last, and see the open sun go past, the setting sun, the rising sun, the day's end or the day begun, for east or west all woods must fail. He hardly knew what it was he sang, vaguely recalling it from his father's house, but it mattered not. With his singing, the call of the whites grew less, and Faramir came more back into his own mind. Soon Gobby and Mirabella's voices were joined to his, and the voices of the whites could no more be heard. They ran on and on, singing as they went, the world around them seeming to grow warmer, as if the melody itself was lending it warmth. It was not long until branches of trees could be seen protruding from the mist, and Faramir realized they were back among the relative safety of the old forest trees, if safety that was. 
They ceased their singing, but did not stop running. The mist was lifted, and a path had appeared, one which Famir had been certain had not been there before, and they ran along it for several minutes, until they all collapsed in a heap upon a soft bank, at the side of the path which continued on down the steep embankment. Fairmere did not know how long they lay there, feeling the warmth return to their bodies and their breathing return to normal. His entire body trembled. The horror of those eyes lingered, and he was almost certain he could still see them lurking in the shadows of the trees. He was drenched in icy cold sweat. He wondered how long it would be before his stomach ceased to feel so queasy or his limbs so weak. It was now well into the night, and Fairmere sat up and looked around him. The cold that surrounded them was not merely due to the whites. They needed to find some form of shelter and make a camp for the night. Mercifully, they each still had their packs. We need to move, he announced, scrambling to his feet and dusting off his trousers. Come on, if we get down this embankment, we might find a stream, or at least a little more cover for us to camp under. Mirabella was on her feet in a moment, but Gobby lay wheezing on the ground. He looked much worse for wear, his face was pale and splotched with red patches, his clothes askew and forehead shining in perspiration. Can we stay here, he gasped. I don't think I can move. Well, you need to, Faramir said, nudging him with his foot. We need to get away from those whites. That was all it took, and the next moment Gobby was on his feet, wearily adjusting the straps of his pack and lancing fearfully behind him. You don't think they'll come again, do you? No, Faramir scoffed and waved his hand. We scared them off, all right. Lucky I thought of singing, huh? Lucky, Mirabelle rounded on him, hands flying to her hips. We shouldn't have been out there in the first place. We managed all right. Of course, Mirabella glared at him, only because I was there. If I hadn't been, you'd now be locked up in a barrow somewhere. You were almost under their spell. I love her. Oh, no. She, I mean, she's dishing it out like yep. this. Was not, Faramir glared back, trying not to see the truth of her words. He did think of singing, Mira. Wasn't that what Tom Bombadil did when Mirabella, Mirabella's glowers stopped the words in Gobby's throat? Don't you dare. You are all for going to sleep on the barrow. Honestly, are you two that stupid? Look, stop being so bossy, Mirabella, Fairmere shot back. We're all in this together now, and we need to find somewhere to sleep far away from the barrows. No, we need to stay near them. Fairmere stared. What? The barrows are the first decent landmark we've found, Mirabella said. When daylight comes and the whites go to sleep, we can cross them and know where we are. Bree isn't far off. If we can get there, we can get someone to take us home. We want to cross the barrows? The barrel whites can't be in the daylight, she argued back. It makes more sense. This is getting too dangerous. If we don't leave the forest now, we could be trapped here forever. Fairmere shook his head. We're not giving up now. We've come too far. We need to keep going. He turned and led the way down the embankment quickly, making great long strides with purpose. Despite the fact there was so little light, he might as well be in a cave. His feet stumbled over uneven ground, but he didn't stop, wanting to be away from Mirabella. He didn't want to hear her, despite knowing she had a point. He couldn't give up now. He wouldn't. Don't be an idiot, Faramir. Not to be defeated, Mirabella came stumbling after him, her feet sliding across the steep leaf-strewn path. She wobbled dangerously close to the edge of the path where the ground fell away down the embankment into black nothingness. It's too dark to do anything tonight, she complained. We have no idea where we're going. Faramir rolled his eyes. Did she ever stop complaining? You're going to lead us into trouble, Famir took. She finally caught up with him. You're so arrogant. You think you're right all the time, but you're not. We're going to get stuck in here or get eaten by a tree or starved to death or something, all because you're so desperate to be the center of attention. I mean, she <laughs> Nope. A spike of anger ignited in his chest, and Faramir wheeled around to face her, hardly able to see more than the sparkle of her eyes in the dim light. 
I'm not the one going around pushing their nose into everyone's business, he pointed out, and I'm not arrogant. Yes, you are. You don't care about the rest of us as long as you get your own way. No wonder Gabby's your only friend. Oh, burn. Famer opened his mouth for a harsh retaliation, but fell short. His hurt at her words surprising him. It was true what she said. Gobby was his only friend, but that wasn't because he was arrogant, was it? True, Gobby always went along with him, but was that such a bad thing? They had fun, didn't they? He's not having fun now, a voice said in the back of his mind. Gobby's miserable. He doesn't want to be here, but you dragged him along anyway. Faramir felt the uncomfortable truth settle on him like a heavy cloud. Gobby was only here because Faramir made him come. Was Gobby only his friend because Faramir gave him no other option? Was he really such a bad friend? Mirabella seemed to smirk at him in the darkness, confident she had caught him out at last, but she had little time to enjoy her victory. The force around them soon rang with a loud shout and a great crashing as something heavy tumbled down the embankment, falling into the undergrowth and rolling away, gaining speed. Both instantly recognized that cry. Gobby, in his haste at trying to follow them, had taken a wrong turn in the pitch blackness and fallen from the path down the steep cliff on the other side. Gobby, Mirabella shrieked and made to run after him, but Faramir grabbed her arm and held her back despite his own panic. Try that and you'll fall as well, he said. In one fluid movement, he slipped his pack from his shoulder and propped it up at the side of the road, lightening his weight substantially. Mirabella did likewise. The crashing had ceased and Faramir was conscious of a low moan sounding down below them. Gobby, where are you? He called, straining his eyes in the darkness. Here came the answering cry, weak and pitiful. But I don't know where here mm-hmm. is. It sounds like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> Keep talking, Faramir called, judging by the voice where he should lead the path. Judging by the voice where he should lead the path. He made off carefully down the steep slope with tiny steps, holding the branches of the small trees which surrounded him to stop himself tumbling down likewise. I'm coming for you. Rustling from behind, let Faramir know Mirabella had also followed him. He could hear her sniffling loudly. She was afraid for her brother and Faramir for fear. His heart beat far more quickly than it had when facing the Barrow Whites. If Gobby was hurt, it was all his fault. The slope turned even steeper and Faramir had to sit down and edge his way down, painstakingly aware of how precariously he was situated on the side of the cliff, knowing one false move could send him hurtling down into the darkness. He became aware then of a pale circle on the ground before him, which was creating some amount of noise. I see you, Gobby, he said. Hold on. A few more minutes, and he was crouched by Gobby, who was sniffling as badly as his sister, but trying his best to hide it. His fall down the hill had been halted by means of a shallow ditch, which ran down the hill in a flowing pattern, marked out by the winter rains. Gobby had fallen into this ditch and was sprawled upon the ground, his left arm cradled in his right. I think it's broken, he wailed, as soon as Faramir was at his side. I can't climb back up. I'll help you, Faramir said feeling an odd tightness in his throat as he looked at Gobby's useless arm and tear-stained cheeks. A wave of guilt threatened to crush him entirely, but he banished it from the moment he needed to stay clear-headed. Mirabella joined them a moment later and fell upon her brother with a tight embrace. She took his arm gently and wrapped it in her cloak, binding it close to his body in a makeshift sling. She looked up at Faramir. Her gaze was angry, but a forced calm was in them. What now, she seemed to say. Faramir gazed up at the path where they had come, or rather where it should be, and then down the rest of the slope where they clung to the sides. He could not see the bottom of the slope, and knew not whether it opened out into the river or fell into a deep gorge filled with razor-sharp rocks. Going down could be dangerous, but so could climbing back up. He hesitated. 
Surely it was better for them to go the way they knew for certain led safety. Crouching before Gobby, he and Mirabella helped him to his feet, relieved to see that it was only his arm which appeared hurt. His legs shook, but Mirabella took his good arm firmly around her own shoulders to steady him. Faramir went ahead several paces and found himself a good anchoring spot on the sloping ground and turned to offer his hand to Mirabella, helping her and Gobby to follow. He then went on again, holding on to boulders, trees, whatever else seemed permanent on that ever-sliding ground, before reaching back to the others, helping them to scramble up near the vertical slope. It was slow going, and more than once the soft earth gave away and sent them sliding backwards in a heart-stopping few seconds. Exposed roots in, in the ground gave him hand, handholds, and he dug his fingernails deep into the earth to give himself leverage, climbing almost spider-like up the cliff. The smell of the earth was pungent in his nostrils, and his limbs strained with the effort as he reached back every so often and assisted Mirabella and Gobby up behind him, both struggling to drag themselves up the hill with one arm. Their faces sh shone with the effort, and Faramir feared at any moment they would slip away into the nothingness below. After an age, Faramir saw the path up above him, and his heart grew lighter, but soon stopped in dismay. The path was several feet away, but he could not reach it. The earth before him was crumbling when he tried to put any weight upon it, and the thickness of the leaves made it too slippery to stand. There were no trees or roots to offer a convenient aid. He tried to scramble up twice, but each time fell back, sliding back further and further. He could cry in frustration. He could see the path, but the ground was simply too steep and slippery to gain purchase. They were destined to be stuck there forever. Beside him, Gobby and Mirabella also looked upwards in dismay, both panting heavily, too worn out by the climb to say anything. Faramir looked at Gobby and saw his poor arm. Clutched close to his chest, his face pale with pain, he turned away, tears stinging at his eyes. Gobby was hurt because of him, and because he had stormed off into the dead of night, believing his plan the best, and Gobby had followed him, trusting him blindly as always. He had led Gobby into many a bad situation before now, but he had never caused him to be hurt. Perhaps Mirabella was right. He was a terrible friend. Spurred on by this revelation, Faramir looked back at the path and tried one final time, launching himself forward with as much effort as he could muster, scrambling desperately to find some leverage in the soft ground. His feet fell from beneath him and sent him tumbling to the ground. Faramir groaned and cried aloud. Stupid forest, he shouted, his voice strained and thick with emotion. Why do you have to be so mean? He doesn't deserve it. Help us out, Why won't you? Please. Why he had shouted, he had no idea, and hardly expected anything to come of it. He fell flat on his face and would have given over to weeping if, if not for Mirabella's shout. Jerking his head up, he saw to his utter amazement that in front of him a branch had appeared, thick and strong. He traced its length and saw that it belonged to an old elm which lined the side of the path. It would lead them directly to safety. Faramir didn't stop to think twice. He seized hold of the branch and hoisted himself to his feet before turning and similarly assisting Mirabella and Gobby. Slowly and steadily, each of them inched their way up the remaining few feet of the slope by holding tightly to the elm branch, and in a matter of minutes, they were lying flat on the path near their, near their packs, breathing heavily from their brush with danger for the second time that evening. With his strength returned, Faramir bolted upright and looked back down the slope. The elm branch was gone, and the tree to which it had belonged sat still, innocently swaying in the, in the slight breeze. Faramir stared out a long moment. He couldn't have imagined it, could he? But Mirabella stared at the tree as well, a frown on her face which turned to amazement when she met Faramir's eyes. He knew they both thought the same thing. The forest had helped them. The only question was why. And that's Ooh, the end of the chapter. I think we know why. Or, well, I think we know who. Uh, yes. yes. 
this is a, this is great. Yeah, the uh, this next chapter is I think is gonna be yeah. gonna be really good. So, that, was that was a great, great chapter. chapter. Quite quite a lot happened. It's a long chapter. These poor hobbits. These poor, and the hobbit children. No, that, and like, I not just, even just regular hobbits. I love how they are portrayed in this because they're very yeah. much children, but they're not incompetent. As I've seen right. a lot of like children written at which yeah it's like a lot of times they're written as like toddlers who are incompetent right terrible right like these are these are children who can absolutely take care of themselves but but children they also yeah i like right. um i forgot who it was but um i think it i, I think it must have been Faramir who was like i should be home by now and but he's not yeah afraid i mean he is afraid of the forest of course but his his thought the way he processed it was my parents are going to be mad at me and that's the problem that he sees does that make any sense like because he's a child he doesn't he doesn't quite comprehend the real because he's a child his parents being uh, you know angry at him is is probably more of a fear than you know, because he can't really control how his parents are going to right. react. Um, but he can control what he does in the forest as far as, like, he controls what path to take. He controls when he eat. Like, you know, he mm-hmm. has more control over the situation. Or at least he thinks he does. Yeah. Exactly. At least he thinks Also, whoever, uh, I see, I should, because, like, I took notes while you were reading, but then I forgot to, like, add who's the thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when they were, like, it must be Rohan. It was just like, it was so cute. It was like, oh, honey, definitely not. But like, but again, it's like, I think he was, I think he was doing it oh, to be sarcastic. Like, how far did you think we had gone all the way to Rohan? Oh, okay. I think that's Maybe the uh, totally context it. of it. Um, but because I think they were like, there's no way we could be where we are. How far did right. you think we had gone, Rohan? Okay. That was kind of the, the context. Um, yeah. I'm really also liking Faramir's character arc. It's starting to come around and I'm very happy that Mirabella is the one to kind of yes. prompt it. I really I really like her because she's very to the point, very bossy, but she's not like yep. spoiled, if that makes sense. Like she's very yep. much well, she kind of reminds me of uh, I I was not the nicest mm-hmm. child. Um <laughs> So I kind of uh, relate to her. She reminds me of me a lot just because when you are put in a position where, you know, if you have two or three, four people, like, the chances are all of those people are going to be irresponsible if they can. And they can be if you have one person that's going to be responsible. Mm -hmm. And this has flown over, flown over. This has... um, crossed over into my adult life so much and it's where I'm learning to set those boundaries of like no I'm not going to be responsible for you you have to suffer your own consequences and that's kind of what happened with this stuff with Nick's car I was like I if you had left me in charge we could have had the car this weekend but there's not the consequences are yours your responsibility not mine like that was not, not my problem. Um, not not exactly. That's not exactly like. Uh, that's no, but it makes example, sense. But, it's like you aren't um, going to. It's not your job to pick up the pieces. 
Mm -hmm. Just because no one else wants to communicate clearly or set, you know, clear expectations and stuff like that. And Mirabella is kind of in that same position where God, her brother and her brother's best friend just don't have any, they don't take responsibility for anything. You know, they don't care what havoc they cause. And half the time she's the one that's going behind them to make sure that they don't die or whatever. And so it gets very frustrating and you definitely, you can lay into people. Um, this is where Mirabella needs boundaries. to learn about boundaries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that kind of stuff was something that um, when Caleb and I were in premarital counseling, it was interesting because I was not expecting these very conservative. Um, I mean, I am too, but um, Christians to make this point of women tend to be really good at multitasking and figuring everything out and the men tend to sit back and let the women do it and Mm -hmm. they were like your job is to not do the stuff and I was like you know what I can get behind this idea and but it's hard to let other people just make the mistake and I'm not they weren't saying like don't have input or anything that's not it like yeah, but it is essentially Yeah, it's like, so, okay, like, talked about it. Another, like, and I hate harking back on this exact incident, but um, it is exactly this thing of, like, if you had just said, I need the key shipped to me by this date because I have to leave on this date, then we could have gotten right. the car this weekend. It's that simple, but it was a mistake that they had to make, and now they're having to mm-hmm. rearrange their schedules. And I, you know, if I need to have to can rearrange mine I will but I'm not right. forcing myself to do it because it was their mistake but they had to make it right exactly because otherwise they would have fixed it then they would have exactly again and again exactly. yeah so I definitely uh I can definitely <laughs> relate to Mirabella a lot I'm like I I I, I know I feel you sis I feel yeah you, you kind of had to pick up the slack for a lot of us children because we well I was yeah. just in charge of a lot of children at a too young of an age and you didn't age. have and... the authority to actually do anything right but I still had right. to keep you alive as in you know I had to feed you and clothe you and you know make sure you guys didn't die when you were on plane outside and mm-hmm, yeah. for eight plus hours <laughs> uh <laughs> call a couple times so uh-huh 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 so uh so yeah i i definitely get her frustration and her um yeah. to the pointness because no, you don't have time don't. to beat and around the bush it's yeah i re- i really appreciate the way she's portrayed because it's a very you end up being the one that everybody hates too like because after, yeah. after you moved yeah. out, you're annoying mm-hmm. you're after you moved out i kind of acquired that i mean i was always a brat but um that's I was definitely called bossy and boring and and it's like, well, mm-hmm. you try keeping the three year old alive for a couple of days. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Very you know, age. very, very young age. And when you have people like Faramir, like you have yes. to be direct with them and you have to you have to show them the ugly, otherwise they're never right. gonna look at it themselves because that's too much. I hate saying too much work, like not that they're lazy. It's just you have to take a hard look at yourself and they don't want to slash right. have They've never, never been had to do forced that. to do that because of whatever reason. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. yeah, yep. absolutely loving these characters. Like 
how yes. th- there's a lot of depth to these characters that I wonder if she, even she realizes. I wonder if the author, author even realizes. I, I wonder if she listens. <laughs> she's like, I didn't mean that. But I mean, okay. um, I think she is an adult. Um, I, I haven't looked at her bio, which would make sense on why there these characters would have. Not saying that you can't have depth if you're not an adult, but there's a certain amount of, uh, yeah. Just like oh, her bio is exhausted teacher trying to find the time to write. So yeah, she's she's an adult. She's from Scotland. Also, not even that. She Children. also understands yes. kids. Yes. yes. That's amazing. Her bio, her, her, okay, I'm sorry. This That's... is totally unrelated, but her bio says Scotland, and that is so freaking cool. <laughs> That's amazing. But, yes. I but. love that. That's awesome. Well, I hope that word catches her somehow that we are. Yes. Very I messaged her because this. I asked her if we could read it like a year ago. And then I reached yeah. back out to her and we're like, hey, it's, it's been a year, but we're <laughs> reading it now. But I guess she hasn't been active. But, which is fine. That happens. I got you. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been a, a, it's crazy been a year. Crazy and then what? Yeah. Especially for oh teachers. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well. That was a great chapter. I'm so excited to keep, excited to keep reading. Because, I mean, we know it's in wives. I mean, it better be. <laughs> but exactly. I'm really curious as to exactly. how she's going to go about that. Because up to this point, everything's been done so well. And I feel like I'm going to just absolutely right. nail this. And then what if we get like a little like what if we get a little reunion scene with like Treebeard and and his aunt wife? Right. I I mean that would be so sweet. That would be. I don't know. It's hard to tell what direction it's going to go in. Do they? Do they now decide it's time to go home? Do Mary and Pimpin go looking for them? You know. So uh, yeah, it'd be. Very curious. I'll be very excited to pick yeah. this up week after next. Um, the bear downs. I'm kind of curious. Like, did that because I I looked it up real quick while you were reading, and there isn't really any. Well, from like the two sites I looked at, um, I think I looked at Tolkien Gateway, which is pretty accurate. Um, not a whole lot of information on them as far as like in the fourth age, but I'm wondering. Yeah. I don't know how connected or if they're connected to Sauron. So, I mean, I guess technically they would still stay Hmm. because technically like not all the orcs died and everything, like not everything that he, because it isn't really just like Sauron is like. (laughs) Right, right, right. Because there was like, like there was goblins and stuff and um, it was more so that he was, he just got them to join him. Because they're really from, Uh, they're really from Morgoth. not really. It's only stuff right. that was connected to the ring, I guess, that was destroyed with him. Right. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I wonder if uh, the guys in Unexpected Podcast will have any I don't know information on it. Because I think that's a that's I think that's like right right where I'm about. Oh, to okay. Into, so. um, yeah, if I find sure. anything out, I'll let um, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like we should reach out to them and let them know that this we basically um, turned our podcast into talking Just about like, their podcast. 
I just want to message them and be like, hi, I'm on episode like 10, so I have a long way to catch up, but I just want you to know we have a podcast. <laughs> That's pretty much all it is. And, it, and we throw a little bit of fan fiction in there too. Um, exactly, exactly. Uh, I have thought about reaching out to them just to be like, yeah, hey, me I'm too. I just, I'm afraid. I'm afraid like, that they're, the way to reach out to them has changed since. So I'm like, I don't want to because I, I, think, like, I kind of, I mean, I want to tell them like my, my Tolkien story and everything. Like I, I yes. met the man I married on a Lord of the Rings fan, during, through Lord of the Rings fan fiction. I just don't know. I right. Don't, yeah. I don't think that's very common. And. Yeah. So but what you should do is uh, go on the most recent episode and just like fast oh, forward to really close cool. to the end. And then see if see if they have any like see if they say anything that about different ways of reaching moves. out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if any of y'all would like to reach out to us for whatever reason, we would really yes. love that. Um, if you've listened to Unexpected yes. Podcast, please let us know because I need more people to talk to. I need yes. to join the Facebook group, but um, please let us know um, if you have any fan fiction again please reach out especially if it's stuff that's completed like pre-2017 yes because that if it's on wattpad very difficult to find wattpad the filters on there are terrible Uh um so i would literally have to sit there and scroll for years to be able to find anything now on Uh fanfiction.net i realized that i can put in the filters that i want and then tell it to bring up the last page first so i'm reading fanfic from like 2002 oh, and nice. i am here for it 110 percent. i don't know why wow. it took me so long to figure that out um but i was like whoa i can just look for old ones i'm i'm, I'm a little awesome. empty in the head sometimes <laughs> like you know what it, it, it you know what it is what it is sometimes it, it the brain do doesn't way. function properly but it do our email is cof we like to talk at gmail.com we've got that it is uh instagram and, and yes. wattpad as well chronicles of fiction send us a message uh whatever let us know if you've written one yeah. if you've read one that you like if you absolutely hate this idea <laughs> we like, want to know that too doing this? um yeah because sometimes I mean, we wonder ourselves but actually, if what it's negative, can you wait, here? like, three weeks? Because I'm about to get a therapist, so. <laughs> just <laughs> just wait three weeks. Yeah, so I can actually deal with it. <laughs> Amazing. You'd be your first day walk in. You'd be like, actually. Yeah, right away, I said, we've life. got a podcast, and somebody said something slightly negative, and I just can't deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no but if y'all have uh, any amazing. if y'all have any ideas for it um let us know um i know i know y'all are listening because i can see the stats and some of y'all aren't even from the u.s which is awesome <laughs> and uh we have we have we do u.s me- listeners oh my god please oh, yes because it gives me like a country and like a percentage but like i can't see like who it is or anything um 84 is the u.s four percent is the uk we have two percent in the netherlands one percent in sweden one percent ireland um and the rest of them are 
there's a bunch but the after that the stats get weird um but still super cool yeah that's that's so awesome um hello, hello foreign friends we welcome you yeah. i wish i was over there yeah. with you right now except for where it's I mean, cold Never i'm mind. stuck in the cold so Only i'm fine with that so <laughs> Uh, well, um, yeah. we are right at an hour, so that's that's great timing. Should we sign off with the goodbye phrase that we learn next week, or should we just maybe we should say that, really say that for next week? But do you remember? Okay, the word that we learned today. Then your name. Yes, Nathel. Nathel. Yes, that is that is my name from now on. I'm changing. My oh, name. I'll, maybe I'll, I can put it in parentheses, like in our like bio. Yes. Yes, yes. 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 Like, I mean, like, I'm legally going to change my name. <laughs> I'm going to oh, love my favorite word right it's now. It's so pretty, though. I'm, I'm so jealous. Oh, my God. I would. There's nothing I can do with my okay. name. Oh, my God, Sierra. Okay. Wawa. Listen. Okay. Look. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. Um, I've always wanted to have a baby boy. So, like, I want to have a boy first. Obviously, I can't control it, but whatever. But if I have a little girl after that, I want to name my daughter Luna because I'm a moon person and Luna Lovegood is my favorite character on Harry Potter. So, um, <gasps> what if it was yes. Luna Nathel? Is that not the most beautiful ma- name? And then it would be Moon Sister. Sister because she is a sister. And then a I Moon mean... Sister. I mean... You, you just named your Did child, like, child? 100%. And then she's also, like, kind of <laughs> named after you? Layers. Exactly. We're like exactly. onions around here. <laughs> we, did. we did it. I yes. named my child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even, if, yeah. even if I had a girl first. Exactly. Like, it could still be, still be that. Right. Because sister can right. mean so many different things. Oh, that's fucking great. I'm so happy. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate y'all joining us from here and across the pond. And we hope you enjoy the next week's um, episode, which will be a one shot, but it is a great one shot. I very much enjoyed reading it and uh, recording that episode. Yeah. All right. Just that. I don't know. I don't think I need to add anything. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you so much, and we'll see y'all next week.